let's dive in to our message for today. We are in this series called Living in the Divine, Actively Being with and Responding to the Spirit. Now, we're in the last two weeks of this, uh, of this series, and, and today we're looking at life and peace, what it means to have life and peace in the Spirit. And we're going off this text in Romans that's going to be our, our, our main text for today that we're going to unpack. And, and, and my hope and, and my prayer is that we're all going to experience a deeper level of peace uh, today and throughout this season, and that the, the, the tools that, that, that we go over today will, will equip you for the long run. So let's look at Romans 8.6. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So, short scripture says a lot. To set the mind on the flesh is death, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now, in the context of this passage of Romans 8, uh, Paul, in writing this letter to the church in Rome, is describing what life is like in the spirit. And so in this whole section, it's like, when you live in the spirit, this is what life is like. And so it's kind of this teaching, but it's also this exhortation that Paul is giving in this chapter. And it's kind of uh, this overview of like, hey, you've been given the gospel, you know what it means to, to, to live in Jesus, and so I want to show you how you live this out. And so the first thing we have to look at is, what is flesh in this, in this scripture? To, to set the mind on the flesh is, is death. Now, uh, depending on your, uh, your commentator, depending on your tradition, a lot of different factors, this, this word flesh has come with a lot of different interpretations. And so I'm just going to name a few just to kind of gather kind of a larger scope. Now, some are going to say flesh is our, our, our sinful nature, the, 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 the broken nature in us, which, which is wired in us to, to fall. Okay, and so it's this, it's, this, it's this sinful nature, it's this brokenness. Now, that's, that's one definition, but it's not the whole definition too often like, we make that, you know, one thing, the whole definition. That's not the whole definition. In its, in its purest form, flesh, and, and, it, and it can be a part of this definition that Paul is using, also means just body, right? It is like your actual literal flesh. It is yourself. It is your soul. It is just you, who you are. That, that, that is the flesh. And so then that, then that leads us to the question, what is the spirit? And so, I mean, we've talked about this before, but as a quick, uh, not complete definition, the Spirit is, is God. It's, it's his essence. It's God's movement. And so we have this contrast of saying to set the, that if we set the mind on the flesh, whether that's on our, our nature and its desires, our flesh has like certain desires, right, is, is, is death, but also just to focus on ourselves, like when we look at the like flesh, it's like just to focus on ourselves, not even necessarily our, you know, our, 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 our natural desires, but just on ourselves is death, but, but to focus on the spirit, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Also in this section of, of, uh, of, of scripture, Paul is, is contrasting the law of Moses with the law of the spirit. And so if you ever read this passage, you might be wondering, like, what is the law of the spirit? Because we know, many of us know what the law of Moses is, right? So the law of Moses was 
kind of just uh, the, the, the set of standards that God gave Israel after he rescued them out, out of the Exodus uh, events. And, 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 the, and so we, we're familiar with the law of Moses, but then we have this law of the Spirit. This law of the Spirit is, in, in it of itself is life. And so think about the, the, the law of gravity, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural law, right, that we have discovered. We didn't, like, actually invent it. We just discovered that it's something that, that exists, right? So if I took tablet here and I let, took my hands away from it, what's going to happen? Now, I'm not going to demonstrate it because this is, <laughs> we have a limited budget, <laughs> right? So that's the law of gravity. It's something that just naturally happens. Well, the law of the Spirit, the natural reaction of living in the Spirit is life. And so Paul here is contrasting the law of Moses and the law of the Spirit, which is life, and life to its full. And so we have to move our minds and move our actions from self to God to actually experience the peace that we're all longing for. Is anybody here not longing for peace in their lives? Cool. Really glad we can be honest right now. We all need peace in our lives. So in, in order to enable peace, at least according to this scripture, we have to move from self to God. Eugene Peterson says it this way, on, on commenting on this passage. He says, Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. love the way he says that. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open into a spacious, free life. Now, the reality is we, we, we try to find peace in ourself, right? Like we actually work towards experiencing peace kind of on our own, like because that's what we want. So we're like, oh, this is what I want, so I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go make this happen. And so we work our way to peace in our own strength. The thing is, when our effort is on ourselves and, our, and in creating peace for ourselves, we often don't get there. I think everyone here has a, has a story or, or can share some kind of example of how they've tried to create peace in their life and it just didn't actually stick. And so how do you find peace in your life? Is it through particular actions? Or is it through intentional inaction? How do you define peace? Is it like peace and quiet, just to kind of turn off all the noise? Or is it the shalom of God in your entire being? Because that's the way I define peace, and that's the way that I think God wants to define peace, is not just quiet, but, but shalom. So I'm going to give you an example. I have a feeling of peace and security when I'm adequately prepared before I walk into something. Like, I'm a, I'm a preparer, I'm not a procrastinator. And so I just, I feel really good about life when I know that I'm prepared. <laughs> it's just like, it, it, can anybody relate with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you can. I know Aaron. She's like, no, I feel good about the night before. <laughs> so, like, I feel really good when I prepare. And... And the reverse is also true. When I haven't prepared, I have no peace, <laughs> right? When it's like, oh, we're, 
we're a day out, and I haven't even looked at what I need to look at in order to prepare for, for, for this thing. I, I, I started getting nervous. I, I'm starting to get anxious, and I just, I just don't have any, any peace at all. But that's actually not... So, I mean, the, the logical self way of doing this is to make sure I'm always prepared. This is the problem. That's not how life works. <laughs> I can't make sure that I'm always prepared. Schedules don't just happen to work out all the time and in every way. And so I spend so much of my time trying to make sure that I'm prepared. And then I realize, okay, well, that doesn't work. And so let, let me do all these different things so I can make sure that I'm prepared. And I'm running around in circles, stressing myself out for the sake of what? Peace. That seems a little backwards, right? You know, I, I, I remember just learning this the hard way. When you work cross-culturally in, in other countries, you find out quickly that things are not the way they are in the West, especially around things uh, regarding time. We have a very strict, even in our area in the South, we're like a little bit more laid back, we still have a very strict, we have strict rules around time. And when you're used to that, you're like, okay, this is how it should be. And then you realize when you work cross-culturally, oh, that's actually not how everyone else does it, and I, and I actually can't make everyone else do it. <laughs> right? And so I still remember the first time I get off the plane, I meet with the team, and it was like a Saturday, and they're like, hey, so what are you going to preach on at, at this church tomorrow? And I'm like, you said it was next week. No, man, no, man, it's tomorrow. I'm like, um, I'll let you know in a few hours. <laughs> and it was just like, that is like my worst nightmare. One, we're like going to a church, that I, like I haven't, you know, we have several churches, like I haven't been there before, and I'm just like, I'm thinking, oh, we're just, we're going to have some meetings tonight, we're going to plan. I got, I, got a few, I got several days to prepare for the message for next week. We're doing some training beforehand, and all that stuff is prepared. And so I'm ready for like an easy day on Sunday. We're just going to walk in. We're going to say hi to some folks. We're going to hang out. No, Jeremy, we need you to preach. Everyone is waiting for you. That was not a good feeling. I was not enjoying any peace in that moment. Going through the Bible, Lord, just give me, tell me, what, 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 what do I do? So we have this instruction to set our mind on the Spirit. And so, let's talk about that process. Isaiah 26.3. Those with sound thoughts you will keep in peace, in peace, because they trust in you. Those with sound thoughts you will keep in peace, in peace, because they trust in you. Isaiah here is giving a prophecy of what it's going to be like when the Spirit comes. And so the Spirit has come, and so we're past this point, and what Isaiah is saying is that those with sound thoughts, those whose thoughts are on you will experience peace, because, why? They trust in you. Let's look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, 
brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To focus our thoughts and not turn to, not turn to action to create our own peace requires trust. When we are turning to action and in our own strength, we're saying indirectly, I don't trust, right? And so if I ask someone to do something, and I wait like two seconds, and I go and do it myself, what is that? Oh, I don't, I don't actually trust them to do it, right? That, that's, that's what I'm saying. And so we have to answer the question is, what, what are we focused on? And there's like an effort there to actually shift our focus. I, I was in a conversation earlier this week where we were talking about two very different things in, this, in, in the same conversation. And so we're in, we're in one conversation, and then we like had to take a break and like, like you know, really redirect our minds to the next conversation. Because, like, just our focus was, was on one thing. We have to, like, okay, I need to focus on this thing now. So we can actually, like, shift our focus, right, depending on, depending on what's going on. And so we're thinking about these things. We're, we're, we're talking about our trust, but then we're also cultivating a life of prayer. And so last week, or the last couple weeks, we talked about this, this Holy Spirit come. And if you missed that, you should check it out online. But we're saying, Holy Spirit, come. And we're asking the Spirit to bring peace where there is none. We're asking the Spirit to bring peace and there is none because we're saying, I trust in you, not in my, my own ability to create this. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come into this situation. Like recognizing hey, I actually don't have control of this, or even if I do, maybe I shouldn't have control of this, so I'm going to ask the Spirit to come and take this over. And then also in this life of prayer, what I've learned is that actually in our, in our rhythm of praying for others and focusing our mind on actually what's going on with others and praying for them, we actually experience our own peace. Because we also find that as we're praying for others, we start to ask others to, to pray for us. And so we have kind of this symbiotic relationship of prayer going on. And then all of a sudden, we're not focused on, 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 on what's going on and how we're going to fix the situation. When we kind of start into this, into this life of prayer, we, we kind of shift in one realm of my action and, and, my, and my way of doing this to another realm of the spirit of trust and so it's like, when I say I'm going to pray for you, it's not like an empty gesture. It is, I'm actually placing my trust and my hope and my creator to solve this problem for you. Like, that's, that's what we're asking for. That's, that's what we're saying when I say I'm going to pray for you. And that's what I am expecting when others are saying they're praying for me. And I can feel it. I remember a couple weeks ago, I was, having, I was having a rough morning, and I was talking to a friend, and, 
and it was, we were talking, it was like 6.30 in the morning, and I was like, hey, man, I just, I, I got this going on. I need you to pray for me. And in the next half hour, things just shifted. It's like I could feel him praying for me in that moment, and the weight's going off, and the trust taking root. And so it's, it's, it's really important that we actually do cultivate these, these relationships of prayer Recognize that they're not empty gestures. It is a forceful action saying, I'm going to think of these things and I'm going to place my trust in God in this moment and actually not do anything to try to, do it, try to make it happen on my own. All right, last thing, I'm going to skip ahead because I know we're running out of time. Often we don't want to deal with turmoil. Right? Who, I mean, who wants, to, who wants to deal with turmoil? Who wants to, like, deal with chaos? But too often our response is to deny it, to ignore it, or to get rid of it at all costs. But that's not the way, and that's often what the Spirit is not leading us to. He's actually leading us into the tension. He's leading us into the chaos. He's leading us into the turmoil, and he says, find me here. And you will experience a peace like never before here. And that's the peace you're looking for. The peace that comes from denial and and ignoring and, and, and just shoving it down, that only lasts so long. And then you're back in the same place all over again. The peace where we're actually diving into the fire and saying, God, I trust you in this and I'm going to sit still in this. That's when we, it's, it's so counterintuitive, but that's where we experience the deep, true peace of the Father. All right, let's look at a couple practical tips. Identify one area in your life where you try to force or control situations or people with the end goal of finding peace. We're not going to fix it all right now. Just start with one area. What is one area that you do this? Now, look, for some, this is going to be a little bit more obvious. For others, not so much. It's going to require some reflection and some examining of of our lives to actually recognize when, when and where we're doing this because it's not obvious at first. When we're, like, trying to get somebody to do something. And so we just have to be, like, open enough to, to acknowledge that, like, safe enough in God that he's going to like forgive that, but also going to point that out so that we can recognize how we're trying to manufacture our own peace. And then as that comes up, that, you know, you're, going to, you're going to bring that to him, and, and then you're going to like actively, in that situation, say, okay, I'm actually not going to manipulate things here. I'm going to focus my mind on the Spirit, because that is where things, that is where I experience life and, pre- and peace and freedom. All right, number two. When you are losing control of your thoughts and they're leading to more chaos, focus your mind on the Spirit and choose to trust God. There's like an active point here where we have to say, okay, I'm actually going to choose trust right now. Trust and refocusing our mind doesn't just happen. And so all the effort we're using into into manufacturing these things, we can actually use that effort to refocus our mind, and to trust God. It takes, it takes the same amount of effort. And so redirect that energy that's being used over here 
and bring it over here to focus on God. And as we do this, we will experience more life and so much more peace. All right? All right, Kim's going to come lead us into communion.